we are on air for fans racing. We are going to be talking about Road America and Irwindale for our NASCAR weekend preview. And, of course, Hot Topics uh, Sound Off will take place at 10 p.m. tonight. Joining me as co-host for tonight's show is uh, uh, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Feels good to be back on a weekly show here after a vacation. So excited about this weekend. Uh, I hate that I missed it. I, I was up in that area where Road America is, but uh, timing, it just didn't happen. I missed Knoxville on the way up and Road America on the way home. Oh, man. Well, we're happy to have you back. Uh, during our first half hour tonight, uh, we are going to um, uh, talk about some short track racing news and some upcoming races there. We'll also preview the Arca West Series at Irwindale Speedway, along with some updates in the Arca Menards and East Series. Uh, then our guest at 9 p.m., Kyle Lockrow will join the conversation. He's a Champar Endurance and Lucky Dog Racing Series driver, and uh, he's planning to race some Arkham and Art Series and perhaps even some Camping World Truck Series races uh, coming up. So uh, he's racing for Andy Hillenberg's Fast Track Racing. We'll talk to him more about that when he comes on board at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Afterward, we're going to get into some updates uh, for the NASCAR Truck Series. And starting at 9.30, we'll do the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series preview at Road America. And, of course, as I mentioned earlier, 10 o'clock is our hot topic sound off time. And uh, we'll be joined by uh, another member of our fan for racing crew. So uh, Tommy is looking forward to being on board with us at that time. Okay, so Jay, uh, there's a lot going on in racing this weekend. I saw that MSA is racing this weekend, IndyCar is racing this weekend. Uh, there is just all kinds of racing going on. There is, and we talk about this every weekend, but 4th of July weekend is one of those. I know a lot of people go camping and stuff. But there is a lot of racing going on as well, especially when it comes to the holiday weekend. That seems to be a, a big pastime for a lot of fans as well. Just locally, we got five, six spots where I could be at. I don't have that many uh, body parts to spread out, but uh, you're right. There's going to be racing anywhere, any form you like, uh, you can find it. That is the truth, and um, what we would recommend is that you head over to uh, either ARCA, not ARCA, I'm talking about RacingAmerica.com or Flow Racing. Flow Racing, by the way, had a huge announcement today. For a limited time, Flow Racing and MAV-TV have a streaming partnership, which I think is fantastic. Um, so... Uh, it was announced uh, just today. It's a groundbreaking partnership that will deliver a powerhouse product to motorsports enthusiasts. Uh, so uh, I was uh, sharing that uh, with everybody. Map TV Plus uh, covers the Lucas Oil Lake Model Dirt Series, the Chili Bowl Nationals, the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship, and it will be all streamed on Pro Racing through the MAV-TV on Flow Racing banner. Uh, now, Flow Racing will both stream the MAV-TV Plus live programming to their subscribers starting today, June 30th, 
uh, through midnight on Tuesday, June t- July 26. So it is a limited time. So you don't have to pay anything extra for it. If you're already subscribed to Flow Racing, you're going to be able to get MAV TV from June 30th through midnight on Tuesday, July 26th. After that, fans will need to subscribe to Flow Racing to watch the MAV TV Plus programming. Yeah, it's it's one of those uh, groundbreaking, if if you ask me. I think uh, this is kind of a feel for where both platforms are at and how they can help and benefit each other and ultimately uh, bring the best to the fans. So we'll see what comes after this time period. We've got it on our list of hot topics, so we'll talk about it then as well. But I find it real groundbreaking. Here's the thing that I'm seeing is that MAPTV Plus is streaming both on MAPTV Plus and uh, through their subscribers from June 30th to Tuesday, July 26th. After that, fans have to be a subscriber of Flow Racing in order to watch MAV-TV+. So after July 26th, MAV-TV+, is no longer going to be available. It's all going to be together with MAV-TV on Flow Racing. That that makes it sound more like a a buyout, so... Like I said, we'll see how this goes and, and what comes of it down the road. Um, <clears throat> again, to me, it is a benefit to the fans, most certainly. It says, with the addition of MAV-TV Plus live programming, Flow Racing's live streaming schedule includes over 2,000 live races annually. All of these races can be viewed with an annual subscription at Flow Racing. So uh, MAV-TV will be contacting their MAV-TV Plus subscribers with information about their accounts and instructions on how they can subscribe to Flow Racing to watch new live MAV-TV programming moving forward. So, yeah, it is this groundbreaking partnership between Flow Racing and MAV-TV Motorsports Network. Uh, and it will not, I want to make sure we, we're very clear about this, it will not impact that TV's program available through the cable television. So this is all about the live streaming. If you have Mac TV Plus streaming, uh, that streaming app, that is what is no longer going to be available. Well, like I said, I know we got it on the list of hot topics, so we'll get some input from uh, Tommy, I believe you said, is one that's going to be on here tonight. I know uh, I saw Andy couldn't be. I didn't know about Mike. Yeah, Mike can't be on either, so it's just going to be the three of us, uh, yourself, Tommy, and myself, and um, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, Let's look at the uh, schedule here. Uh, First of all, I want to mention that Eric Jones, uh, will be the Kids Night Headline State Park Excitement Thursday, uh, and that's at the, at the Wisconsin Oval at uh, Headline State Park. So uh, look for uh, Eric Jones to be there. Also, Track Enterprises is acquiring the Arca Midwest Tour. Okay. Did you read about that? I had not seen that one, no. Okay, uh, that's all over at uh, Racing America. SRX is returning to Stafford Speedway this weekend. 
So uh, if you want to watch BSRX, uh, you can do that on CBS Sports, but it's available on live streaming as well. I know, and there's uh, the Birch Run. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, there, there I see where, where the article on uh, Trek Enterprises, but talking about the uh, SRX uh, as we're leading into that, we're midway through, coming up on midway through their season, if you will, already. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, if you haven't watched that, uh, Tony Stewart always providing some great entertainment <laughs> or uh, attention, uh, if you will, um, as the owner and the driver. So that was some interesting uh, footage over the weekend for sure. I think Kelly Deegan is going to be racing. I, I think it's this weekend. Um, let me see. Let's Ryan see if that Newman. One shows the entry list. Yeah. I know she's got yeah, one, she's, one or two races she yes, was doing Haley this Deegan, year. Uh, Haley Deegan is also making her first SRX start of the season. Deegan is currently slated to compete at Stafford as well as Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55 later this season. So uh, Haley Deegan is going to be there. Ryan Ray, Paul Tracy, Bill Elliott, Tony Stewart, Michael Waltrip, Bobby Labani, Ryan Newman, Matt Hirschman, Greg Biffle, Marco Andretti, and Justin Marks. So uh, that should be a pretty fun race. Couple, a couple of them you got to throw out there. Uh, Justin Marks being in it, it, it makes it really intriguing um, as now primary focused as a cup owner and doing well at it. But also then uh, the modified standout, Matt Hirschman. Um, <clears throat> He beat mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Priest last year in a marquee modified event there. That's what they call the local hero, local uh, driver when they go into these tracks. One of the spots, the 12 spots, is reserved for a local driver. And I love the program they're doing with that, of picking drivers that, that are regulars at that track or that area and bringing them in for the event that they have in their area. Okay. There's also, there is an article about Hirschman carrying momentum into the SRX at Stafford over at uh, Racing America well. Uh, and then also a video from Cody Stewart talking about the double duty. Uh, Smoke discusses his two attempts at the Memorial Day double. So uh, a lot of the good info over at uh, Racing America uh, for you to check out. Also, Daniel Dye is partnering with Travis Sharp and Mark Martin for the Montana 200. So uh, just some familiar names uh, to us here at Ben for Racing that we want to make sure that we highlight here. But there's even more going on over at Mad TV, right, Jay? Yeah, you check out Flow Racing as well as Mav TV. Again, big, big weekend of racing. So you want to see whatever you can find. And it just amazes me the coverage they provide for any type of racing. Yes, it really is amazing. And now you can see both Mav TV and uh, Flow Racing events here. Um, one of the things, a lot of weekly racing, NASCAR weekly racing is here. Uh, but one of the races that will be taking place this weekend is the uh, race out at Irwindale Speedway. We're going to preview that race here in just a few minutes uh, for the Arkham Art Series. That's a very uh, competitive series. We heard Christian Rose talk about that on Monday night. 
And, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be fun. Uh, that's going to be at 9 o'clock on July the Saturday, the Arkham and Art Series West at Irwindale Speedway. And certainly we're right in the heart here as we come down to it for this championship in the West Series, which we talk about year in and year out. The last several years, the West Series has been the most competitive when it comes to not having the playoff-style format. This is a still total points scoring system. In the West Series, they haven't been able to separate themselves. There's still multiple drivers going after it come championship time. Yes, indeed. Uh, there are uh, a lot, a lot of racing to watch here, and uh, at both um, Racing America and uh, Flow Racing. And I am so tickled to have the Mav Racing schedule available via Flow Racing now as well. I just hope they don't raise our rate now. <laughs> Well, that was something that was on my mind, trying to hold off to hot topics. But as I said, we got to wait and see how this all plays out and what they really want to bring out of it coming down the road. Uh, it's one of those uh, things you got to be aware of, uh, you know, and I'm sure we'll hear about when and if that happens or they go that route. Okay. Yes. Uh, it it uh, definitely is uh, uh, going to be good. Uh, to go this out because you're going to get a lot of exposure, uh, you know, through uh, Flow Racing or Racing America if you're racing dirt races, local short tracks. And for those that can't make it to the big race, you can certainly watch online uh, at either Flow Racing or Racing So, all right, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on now to the Arkham and Art Series. Uh, the West, as we mentioned, is racing at uh, Irwindale Speedway, July the 2nd, 7 p.m. Pacific time. That is 9 p.m. Eastern. Is that right? 10 p.m. Eastern. And uh, the Napa Auto Parts 150 presented by the West Coast Soccer Hall of Fame is available on Flow Racing if you want to watch that race. But keep in mind, uh, we always have available at RetroRacing.com the radio coverage. And they have the race center where you can uh, get updates from the track about what's going on. So uh, they've had two consecutive road course events, and now the West competitors will return to the familiar confines of California's Irwindale Speedway. On Saturday, the race, which is the sixth of the 22 season, is scheduled to begin at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and will be available live on Flow Racing audio coverage at ArcaRacing.com. So Saturday's race at the half-mile paved over is the second of the season for the West Series teams at Irwindale. Rookie Tanner Rice dominated the West Series on his, the first trip to Irwindale earlier this season. He led every lap to earn his maiden West Series victory for Sunrise Racing and team owner Bob Brincotti. So, But there's a few other racers uh, to watch this weekend at Irwindale. <clears throat> Well, you got Jake Drew, and he's the hottest driver in the Arkham Menard Series West, following two straight victories at Portland International Raceway and then Sonoma Raceway. And he'll carry that momentum into Saturday's Napa Auto Parts 
150 presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame, where he will attempt to earn his third straight West Series win and first victory on an oval. Now, several competitors are going to look to prevent that from happening, including his uh, Sunrise Racing Ford teammate, most recent winner at Irwindale in Tanner Reef. The 16-year-old led every lap earlier this year when the West Series visited Irwindale, making him obviously a major favorite for this Saturday night. There's also Trevor Huddleston. He's returning for his third West Series race of the year, once again aboard the number 54 owned by his father, Irwindale Speedway promoter Tim Huddleston. Cole Moore, who started and finished second in Irwindale in March, he's going to continue his quest during his first West Series win, uh, racing for Bill McAnally Racing in the number 99 Chevrolet. And then you got uh, Amber Slagle, and you mentioned Christian Rose, who was just a guest on the show. They'll be in action for Cook Racing Technology uh, Technologies with Slagle piloting the number 17 and Rose aboard the number 42. And this will be the second West race of the year for both Slagle and Rose. Okay, Jake Finch, the son of former NASCAR Cup Series team owner James Finch, heads to California to make his West Series debut aboard the number one Phoenix Racing Toyota. Uh, rising late model star Bradley Erickson is also scheduled to make his West Series debut in the number 84 Ford, fielded by Mike Mackey. An additional expect entries, we have Ty battling for that championship. P.J. Pedronicilli, Joey East, Bridget Burgess, Nick Nick Jonides, Jonides, uh, Eric Reed, and Takuma Koga. And several of those, again, battling for that championship. Okay, they are indeed. Uh, Now, there will be... Uh, they are racing 150 miles on that half-mile paved oval. On Saturday, July 2nd, practicing qualifying will start at 3.30 to 4.15 Pacific time. Uh, the start of the Napa Auto Parts 150 by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame will start at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, let's take a look at the uh, entry list. All right, starting from the bottom up, we got the number 99 mentioned. That'll be Cole Moore for Bill McAnally Chevrolet. Mario Isola is the crew chief. And then Bridget Burgess, one of our international stars, comes out of Brisbane, Australia, being that HMH construction number 88. Sarah Burgess owned and crew chiefed Chevrolet. Okay, and the number 84 is Bradley Erickson from Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, he'll be driving the LNS Framing Fast Lane Motorsports Ford for Mike Naki, and Tony Caputo will be on top of the pit box. Uh, on top of the pit box for the number 83 is Chris Edrick, uh for the Lloyd Mack Jr. owned uh, number 83 uh, Mack Motorsports Coast Auto Care BM. Napa. Uh, now, Jalen Napa will be the driver, and he hails from Apple Valley, California. Coming out of Woodland Hills, California, that's where Nick Joanides resides, in the number 77. Joe 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 All right. 
We'll have to work on that one. Uh, coming up in the number 77 Toyota, it's Joe Nava owned. Sonny Wall will be the crew chief. And then Roxy Gabbard is the crew chief for Eric Reed. That'll be in the number 66 Champ Transportation Chevrolet. In the number 54 will be Joey East from Madera, California. He'll be driving the Richwood Meet the Stella Farm Ford from Mike Naki. And Mike Naki will be on top of his uh, pit box. Uh, on top of the pit box uh, for the next car is Travis Thurkettle. Uh, Trevor Huddleston is the team owner, it says, and he'll also be the driver. He's uh, from Agora Hills, California. He'll be driving the High Point Racing Race LA Terra Clean Ford, and that's again that number 50. Talk to and about Christian Rose coming out of Martinsburg, during the West Virginia Tourism Almost Heaven sponsorship on the number 42 Toyota for Bruce Cook. Derek Pebbles will be the crew chief, and then Tanisha Tuttle, crew chiefing Andrew Tuttle owned and driving. Uh, number 39 with Gearhead Coffee on that Chevrolet, and he comes out of Caldwell, Idaho. Okay, next up we have the Pedrincelli. Uh Driving the number 33 will be P.J. Pedrincelli from Sonoma, California. He'll be driving the Select Mobile Bottlers Toyota, uh, and uh, Ty Joyner, Joyner is his crew chief. Rod Nealon will be on top of the tip box for the for number 31, driven by Carl Pedrinsali from Ranch. He'll be driving the Rancho Victoria Wedding Chevrolet. Coming from my neck of the woods or lake of the woods, Sylvan Lake, Michigan, is Amber Slagle being the number 17 Steve McGowan Chevrolet. Sam Sean Samuels as the crew chief. And then another one to highlight here, the number 16 McAnally Chevrolet Napa Auto Parts machine is going to be Landon Lewis. Comes out of Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. Charlie Wilson be the crew chief. You can check out an article on the homepage there. I believe he's in that car for the rest of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, that's good news. Driving the number 13 from Aromas, California, is Tash Souza. He'll be driving the Central Coast Cabinet Ford, uh, and Michael Munoz will be on top of his box. Jerry Pitts on top of the uh, pit box for the Steve Bohannon, uh, number 12, driven by Kyle Teller from Las Vegas, Nevada. He's driving the Metro Recruiting Arrows Environmental Paddleboard Ford. Chris Loudon out of Las Vegas, Nevada. He'll be in the number 11 Chevrolet owned by John Wood. Dave Jackson will be in his ear for the Blue Valor Whiskey Stonies machine. And then Tanner Reef, one of the Sunrise uh, Bruncati Reif, be the one of the Sunrise Fords owned by Bobby. This one crew chief by Chef uh, Jeff Schrader. Okay. Takuma Koga is driving the number seven Nagoya Hichi uh, from Nagoya Hichi, Japan. Uh, he'll be driving the Lobster Toyota, and his crew chief is Gary Pitts, who's also the team owner. And in the number six is Jake Drew from Fullerton, California, driving the Irwindale Speedway Stylo USA Molecule Offset Ford for Bob Roomcotti. 
Bill Sedgwick is on top of his hip. There's a name I haven't heard in a while. Uh, the final two we got here on the entry list, the number four, that'll be a Toyota driven by Sebastian Aries, comes out of Salem, North Carolina, driving for Eric Nascimento. Mike Nascimento is listed as the crew chief. And then out of Lynn Haven, Florida, the Phoenix Construction number one Toyota owned by James Finch. Crew chief will be Johnny Allen, driver none other than Jake Finch. All right. So there you have it, uh, all of uh, the drivers. And, yes, there's quite a few uh, interesting articles up at uh, arcaracing.com, including Landon Lewis for Bill McAnally Racing. But there's also the ARCA veteran Joe Cooksley. Uh, he's entering the DuCoin Southern Illinois 100. Uh, he's looking to uh, take care of some unfinished business. And Daniel Guy, we mentioned it earlier, is going to compete with the Montana 200 for Mark Martin uh, as his crew chief. How cool is that? You know, that was one earlier as we were scanning through. I think was uh, also an article up on it of uh, Racing America. Uh, certainly one to take note of. You know, Mark Martin taking interest in a driver normally tells you there's something special uh, going on that Mark Martin's taking an interest. So uh, look for big things from Daniel Dye here in the future. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Mark Martin does have an eye for talent, so we'll see what happens with uh, with him. Uh, Jay, I lost one of my uh, um, one of my ears for my wireless headphones, okay. and uh, I don't. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can. I can. I can still hear you. Okay. I don't know what happened to. Oh, there it is. Okay. I was having a hard time finding it there. Well, while you get that situated, I'll take a look at the points. Mentioned Jake Drew uh, picking up a pair of victories, now sits atop the point standings. Talked about this West Series normally being re- really competitive. Drew has gapped himself to a 35 point lead, but we'll look at how close the points are behind him. Uh, two wins, five top fives, and has put him in that position. So now these drivers are really going to have to work to close up that gap. But Todd Souza in second currently sits at 234 points. Tanner Reef uh, third at 232. Cole Moore at 231. Austin Herzog at 230. So there there's only a four-point gap now from second back through fifth. And Jake Drew was right in there with him in that tight battle say two victories uh that'll give you quite the boost then getting back down to six there we see paul pedronicilli jr joey east takuma koga bridget burgess and paul pedronicilli and all the way through the top 10 those drivers have all made all five starts for the arca menard series west uh, Paul Pedronicilli is uh, in 10th at 109 points back. So uh, running out of time, but could still tighten tighten up the points. But they're obviously going to have to beat Jake Drew uh, and, and do it well because he's got all top five finishes in the five races. So it's going to be tough to close that gap. Okay, now I got nothing from you, Sharon. Are you back online? All 
right? Not sure there. I know she was having some uh, issues with her headphones. As she gets ready, because we should also have our guest of coming up here in just a moment. So I imagine she's getting that ready. Let me see if I got a message from her. Okay, yep, she's calling back in. So we'll get her back on here in a minute as she also gets ready to bring in Kyle Lockro as our guest here tonight on Fan for Racing Blog Talk Radio. Give you a little bit of information about our guest, Kyle Lockrow. He's driver of the number 75 in the Champ Car Endurance and Lucky Dog Racing Series. Mentioned earlier, he's planning on uh, racing in the Arkham Menard Series, the upcoming event at Pocono. And then afterward, uh, with that, I think he's got a couple others, and it sounds like Sharon's back on here. I am back on. Can you hear me? <laughs> yep, we're good now. Okay, I was uh, talking and nobody could hear me. All right, our guest is here, and uh, we're excited to introduce uh, Kyle Lockrow tonight. Uh, and you mentioned that he's a camp car endurance and lucky dog racing series driver. And uh, first of all, uh, Kyle, we'd like to say welcome to the show. Hi, Sharon. Uh, hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here this evening. Okay. Uh, we understand that uh, uh, you're, you're looking to maybe do some races in the Arkham and Art Series, perhaps the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, who Kyle Lundlow is and uh, how you got started in racing. Well, it started at seven years old. I watched a lot of Scooby-Doo and Flintstones flavored cartoons as a child. And back in the late 90s, Melling Racing, the original team that uh, Bill Elliott had involvement with, and Diamond Ridge Racing, where Robert Presley and Jeff Green drove, they had sponsorship from the Turner Network. And a lot of those cartoon characters were profiled on the cars, and that is the big thing that piqued my interest. And aside from that, I also was introduced thanks to the Montag family, their son, Andrew, I went to grade school with, they introduced me to the NASCAR 98 PlayStation one game. And uh, from there we were off to the races as a big fan. It grew into (laughs) just something I wanted to, a lot of people laugh when they hear that it's one of those off the wall stories, but it grew into a passion for me. And when I got late into high school, I had an injury where I, uh, damaged my collarbone and I was thinking about going back into contact sports and I said you know what let's try to see if we can give this racing thing a shot and 15 years later here we are in uh, the Arkham Menard series. Wow that's fantastic um, and and you know we do hear that a lot more now than we used to how many drivers are coming in through the NASCAR racing uh, through, like, PlayStation or through iRacing and so many different avenues. But it's really tough to get sponsorship uh, when you're coming into uh, ARCA racing or even NASCAR racing, uh, probably even more so with NASCAR racing. Talk about the challenges uh, of finding funding uh, to move on with your career. It's very difficult. It's such a It's such a volatile market, and it's also – there's so many sponsors and it's hard to keep them, I guess, entertained for it in a period of time, for an extended period of time, like it used to be the 
the fan base is different where you have your old school fans, but now you have a new generation of fans. So you're trying to find the right combination of driver and sponsor to make it successful. As far as going after the funding, you really have to be able to, to let's say, entertain them on the racetrack with solid performance, but you've got to be willing to um, pull those gloves up above the elbows and you got to be willing to do the work outside of the car through a lot of the activation. You've got to be willing to do appearances. You've got to be willing to do things such as this uh, radio show or different podcasts and different uh, speaking engagements or commercials or ad different things, whatever the sponsor really wants you to do. It's not just sticking a decal on a race car and watching it go in circles or make left and right hand turns. You really have to, put a lot of effort in to make sure that these folks are getting a return on their investment. And that's the biggest thing today with all the numbers with social media, they're always looking at the ROI. And if you're not giving them that ROI for their initial investment, it's, it's very hard to keep it because there's other opportunities where they say, Hey, we can do it better. And you have to show them you're different and give them a reason to stay. Well, the more exposure you get, the more fans uh, that you're going to accumulate along the way. And uh, I understand there might be some ways that maybe an average fan might be able to partner with you as well. Is that is that right? That is correct, actually. We are putting together a fan car program. We've actually already started. We were initially shooting for the season finale at the Toledo Speedway on October 8th. But we actually decided, and we were getting ready to put something out about it, but we're going to go ahead and announce it for you guys this evening. We have gone ahead and made an internal change, and we'll give a little bit of a hint on that here shortly. But we are going to Mm -hmm. bump it up and shoot for wrist. Yeah, I I can't wait to give (laughs) you guys a little bit of a teaser. I'm excited myself about it. It's a a good opportunity. I think it will be very beneficial moving forward, but we are going to shoot for the 150 lapper at Bristol, or excuse me, the 125 lap event at Bristol to kick off the triple header weekend in August for the annual night race visit to uh, Thunder Valley in the Arkham and Arts event there. So we're very excited about it. Anybody who has already signed up, don't worry. Your entry is still good, just as valid as it was for Toledo. We're just going to bump it up about a month or so, and we're going to try to get in front of a bigger audience and put you guys in front of more fans, just like you talked about, Sharon, putting it in front of more faces and trying to put yourself out there, uh, expanding that fan base and just, make it beneficial with being a triple header weekend and especially it's Bristol too. Yes, indeed. That's uh, one of the hottest spots to be racing at. Uh, so let's, uh, let's kind of hand the baton over here. We have a co-host here tonight as well, Jay Huseman. And uh, I know he's looking forward to uh, asking a few questions as well. So Kyle, this is uh, Jay. <laughs> Well, right now I'm normally not at a loss of, uh, loss for words, but I, I'm still uh, reflecting on some of the names you threw out as far as old school. Uh, I didn't like to think of myself as that old school, but throwing out Melling Racing, um, talking about the uh, Turner-sponsored uh, machine with uh, Jeff Green and Robert Presley. Yeah, brought, brought me back, so let me uh, try and catch up there. But looking at the series you drive in now, we talk about weekly – some of the drivers that make the jump from Arkham and Ards up to the Xfinity or trucks and Xfinity up to a cup, 
quite the jump. And a couple of weeks ago, it was Tyler Carpenter went from a dirt late model, got the opportunity to run a, the truck series at Knoxville. What is the, the change or the adjustment you have to make between series like that? I mean, it's, even if it's a road course to road course, the differences between cars like that, the adjustments you have to make and the adaptation you got to go through. Well, Jay, thank you uh, again. Looking forward to discussing all this with you. I didn't get a chance to say that a moment ago, but pleasure to uh, get to do this with you. But to your question regarding the differences, in Tyler's case, he was battling going from a late, late model with a lot of power to a heavy stock car that is essentially a brick and doesn't want to turn, and now it's got no crit because it's on dirt. So he had quite the adjustment ahead of him in that regard. And I think before the mechanical issue, he had done a, a yeoman's job of moving up and being very patient. So I think he's well on his way. But as far as the smaller short tracks moving up to ARCA and then moving up the ladder through trucks and Xfinity onto the Cup Series, it's really just understanding your race car, understanding the importance of the increase of horsepower, what the kind of torque you're getting to the rear wheels, and really it's just you have to be very much in control of your car. Car control is very important to keep it underneath you. Consistency is a big thing, and you've got to realize you're in a 3,400-pound piece of machinery that is very heavy. It does not want to turn, and it is not going to do something on a dime. It, it, a lot of people, especially guys that come out of open wheel, tend to get, I guess, confused or dumbfounded because they just don't realize they, they underestimate what these things really do. And aside from the road courses, it's just kind of like a Boris Set or a Max Pappas or one of those guys or a Carpentier. I mean, those guys are used to shifting and heel toe and, and you know, working their way through a lot of these big road courses around the world. And then you're going to a place like Bristol where you're slam bang, beating fenders and, and trying to keep the fenders on it. But you got to be smooth and consistent and keep yourself there at the end of 500 miles or, or 500 laps or 250 laps. So it's really just understanding what you're driving. It's taking yourself in and displaying discipline to get it done. The other thing I wanted to ask about, you talked about sponsors and, and how that has evolved and changed. Uh, you know, it used to be just getting the name of a sponsor out there on TV and talked about you talked about now, especially with social media, the engagement you have to do on behalf of the sponsor with the sponsor um, promoting it from that aspect. Can you give a little more, talk a little more about some of the things that you do differently now in this day and age of social media? Absolutely. It's really changed the game in motorsports, but it's changed the game in any kind of sports marketing. You have to take advantage of your social media. And a lot of people confuse quantity with with uh, quality. I would prefer to have a little bit less out there, but I'd rather it be more quality material that resonates with the fans. Doing something to just bump up numbers isn't always beneficial because it doesn't stick over the long term. You have to be creative with what you're doing. You really have to understand the different fan bases you have. You have to understand the younger generation that's looking for something catchy, but you also want something with maybe the more experienced generation that's looking for something that resonates, a heartfelt story or something that gives back. I mean, you have to you have to have a variety of different posts and the different hashtags that are out now where you do throwbacks or 
you do like a way back Wednesday or something of that nature. You, you have to find ways to connect to the different types of fans in that fan base. And you have to also integrate your sponsors or I'm sorry, your partners. Um, I don't like to use the word sponsor. I like to use partner cause that's what I consider them, but you have to give those partners that return on investment and you have to get their product or services out to the public and we all know 70 to 75 percent of NASCAR fans are very loyal, and that still has not changed to this day. So that name and that brand recognition goes a long way in motorsports, especially NASCAR. Well, uh, through, your, through what you're talking about with the social media, I assume you're gathering with the younger generation. You do a great job of also connecting to us older generation than um, – <laughs> Again, some of the names you threw out, uh, you know, that was that was in my prime era of watching uh, racing. So you're doing a great job with that. And before I turn it back Thank over you. to Sharon, real quick, um, I know you got some upcoming things. Talk about that of the ultimate goal. Is it to go full-time cup, or is it setting up spots where you can just race in different series with that opportunity? I'll put it to you this way, Jay, and before we go back to Sharon, I, I have a couple of ways I'm, I'm looking to do this. Short term right now, I still, I still work a full-time job. I still work Monday through Friday. I don't have mom and dad's money. I don't have a blank check. I can just take to Charlotte and go racing every week like I'd like to. I have to obtain partners. I have to make it beneficial. I have to do it right. Any funding that we do get has to be spent accordingly, but it has to be executed properly or that could cost me farther in the season. But as far as the opportunities going forward, I am going to do a combination of the amateur stuff with the Champ Car Endurance Series. It's a great series. A uh, great way for individuals who are trying to get into racing. It's a great place to learn how to race. Yes, late models, four cylinders at the Saturday night short track are great, but this series teaches you how to race. It teaches you how to pass. So I'm going to, I have two 24 hour races coming up, two round the clock events. The first one will be in about two weeks at Nelson Ledges in Ohio. And then we're going to be doing in mid-August the annual 24-hour event at the Virginia International in Alton, Virginia, just outside Danville. It's a Lifeline 24-hour classic. And for the for the first event, I will be with the Banana Splits team. I drove for them last year at Mid-Ohio. Looking forward to being back behind the wheel of their BMW. And then also I'll be back with my Brew Crew racing team for the 24-hour at VIR. And then on the pro side, I am looking to do, hopefully, if we can obtain the rest of the funding, do the 200-miler at Pocono. I'd also like to do the 100-miler at Watkins Glen. And then, obviously, I'd like to cap it off with Bristol in September. But we, as I teased earlier, we are in discussion with a team at the moment. We can't release any other details at that um, at this point in time, but when we will, we promise you guys will be on the list. It is an opportunity starting later this year, potentially at Watkins Glen, for that race to do a combination of ARCA racing for the rest of the year. And then leading into 2023, we will be doing a combination of ARCA Menards and Truck Series racing. And then I'll sprinkle in some Champ Car to just uh, keep my skills set up. Well, that is awesome, and I can't wait. Hopefully, we do get to have you back on. I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon here. Uh, thank you so much for the time, Kyle. 
Jay, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, I just want to real quick thank all the listeners out there. Thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in and listening. Uh, we appreciate all of you enthusiasts, all of you for staying with motorsports. Uh, thank you so much for sticking with us after the pandemic, and uh, we'll put on a show for you. Just please come out to the racetrack. We need to see more people in the stands. It's killing me seeing these empty seats. I know the economy is in a rough place right now, but find a way to get out there if you can and let's see these and pass this motorsports on to this younger generation. Absolutely, absolutely, Kyle. Now, you know, you, you're working the uh, Campfire Endurance Series, and uh, I know your team in the uh, Arkham Menard Series is fast track racing, uh, but you do more than just race with them. Is that right? You were talking about yes, ma'am. how Campfire is such a great way to learn. Mm-hmm. It champ. I'll start with the champ car side of it. It's for any of our listeners who are familiar with the IMSA WeatherTech series or the Michelin GT series, that flavor of road racing. Champ car is essentially an amateur version of that. Where in IMSA they have your DPIs, your multiple GT divisions, and then your LMP2 and LMP3s. In Champ car they have an A, B, C, D, and then they have an EC division. So it's five classes of racing. You race on the same types of racetracks and configurations that the IMSA guys do, and it's an amateur way where you have folks that have never driven a race car before. For example, at Kershaw, there was a team of four drivers, some veterans, um, thank them, by the way, for their service. Didn't get a chance to talk to them, but want to let them know we appreciate them. They did an outstanding job. Guys that had never raced before, they wanted to see what it was like. They got a car got the rule book, came out, and finished both days and did an outstanding job. Then you've got experienced teams like our guys with Banana Splits and also Brew Crew who have been doing it for a long time. We have a combination of drivers who have pro experience and they're gentlemen drivers or they're guys that are just looking to hit bucket lists and race at Carolina Motorsports Park or Daytona or Watkins Glen or Road America, just to name a few. So it's a great way to teach racing, but with the amount of time you get in a car during a stint, it really teaches you discipline, it teaches you endurance, but it also teaches you consistency that has helped me when I've gone back to the NASCAR side. Okay, and then average fans can get involved with that. You mentioned the veterans that came out there and raced. Um, Mm -hmm. People can't just show up honestly you really don't have to and i know that sounds very very unique but they encourage first timers to come out yes having some type of hpd experience or track day experience and a little bit of wheel-to-wheel racing is always beneficial but i've been in races with guys that have never done wheel-to-wheel before and they've done very very well because the officials and the teams that have been doing this for so long coach the drivers up or get them on an iRacing simulator prior to a weekend and really just get the repetition, just like any sport takes practice, the repetition and the camaraderie of the teams, and even asking opposing teams. I mean, there's so many guys in that garage with tons of laps at these places. You can go and pick the brain of multiple drivers in there, and 90 nine percent of those guys are so open and they'll absolutely give you all the tricks of the trade because it's fun and it's a way to like i said encourage people and pass that down and that's what i like about it and then to that point outside of the champ car stuff i do a lot of private instruction i work with a couple 
of driving experiences, turn one driving, extreme experience, where I do a lot of right seat instructing. And then on the NASCAR side, I'm also a driver coach and I'm also a spotter as well. So I wear multiple hats on race weekends. I just feel being a utility guy outside of the driver's seat is very beneficial. Plus it's also something we can take when we're in discussion with partners. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, now, you did kind of a feel already, which I love, uh, encouraging fans to get out to the racetrack. Uh, let's make sure fans know, because you hinted at some big news coming out here real soon. Uh, let's let fans know how they can follow you, Carol. Absolutely. Um, if anybody is interested in finding out what we have going on or wants to follow along in everything, and also, if you're interested in signing up and put, getting a spot on that fan car, you can visit us at www.kylelockrow.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We have LinkedIn. We have a YouTube page where we have a lot of in-car videos. We have foot cameras, interviews, all kinds of different things that we do within our program are listed there. You can also find us um, just any at any of the tracks we're doing come visit us at the champ car stuff come out even yes it's it's not a spectator series per se but um get involved come help out on a crew see what it's like if you're interested in driving see come experience it but that's the best way to um see what it's like and then the fan car, um, you can sign up through the website. We have that. We have different levels that you can participate and sign up and be a part of it, everywhere from ranging from $25 up to $2,500. And if you're interested in Champ Car, you can go to www.champcar.org, all one word. Um, it's a play on the old Champ Car series, the open wheel series from the mid-2000s. And uh, talk to Dana Morrison, who's one of the competition directors, Bill Strong, who does their media relations, Great people have become good friends of mine, and uh, tell them Kyle sent you. Okay, that sounds really, really cool. Now, we're looking forward to seeing you race in the Arkham and Art Series and any news that you might have uh, as it relates to uh, the Camping World Truck Series. So uh, we definitely are going to stay tuned, and we hope you stay in touch with us because uh, we'd love to talk to you again, Kyle. Thank you so much for being available. Sharon, Jay, thank you guys so much for letting me be on the show. Thank you to all the listeners for taking the time to let me ramble on and and uh, talk um, uncontrollably. I greatly appreciate it. Please go and like us and follow us. Uh, find out what we're doing. Love to hear from you. Give us a shout-out. Let us know your thoughts. We're always looking for constructive criticism on stuff, make things better. We want to let you know we're here for you. Any partners, any companies that are interested in getting on board, we have lots of spots available for this year and going into next year. Uh, get a hold of us. Find out what we have available. We will not let you down, and we are very big on the activation, and we will. Uh, you won't be sorry, I promise you. But thank you, Jay, and thank you, Sharon, again for the opportunity. Okay. Well, it was our pleasure, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again down the road here. So uh, good luck, Kyle, and uh, we'll, we'll see you down the road. Sounds great. You guys have a great night and have a great rest of your show, and we'll be in touch soon. Okay. Take care now. All right. That is Kyle Lockrow, and uh, camp car driver in the Endurance Series as well as the Lucky Dog Series, are going to be racing some Lucky Menard Series races. 
uh, at uh, sounds like Toledo, uh, Washington, and Bristol. Uh, there's some racing going on uh, at those tracks, and uh, it could, I don't know. I've got a feeling it might even be the Camping World Truck Series. So uh, stay tuned for any more news. Okay. Yeah, I can't wait. And, and uh, truthfully, i got to say there, he's got to be a sponsor's delight. Uh, the intelligence yeah. you spoke about, not just the cars, but from the business aspect of it, the social media aspect, knows the history of racing, going back through some of the drivers he named and talked about. So it seems to be just the absolute total package and can't wait to see more and hear more from him. Hopefully we can have him back on the show later on down the road. Okay. Uh, we're gonna have, we're way over schedule here, so uh, we've got to move on to the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, they are not racing this week, but they will be racing out at Mid Ohio Sports Car Course, the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150 at Mid Ohio on Saturday, July the 9th. So that's next week uh, that you'll hear see the Camping World Truck Series back on track, uh, and uh, we'll give you more details on that race as we get closer. Uh, Jay and I always do the preview show the Thursday before, uh, but we'll hit on some of the uh, uh, updates that we have here for the Campaign World Truck Series. Well, as you mentioned, they're not racing this weekend, so we might make up some of that time here. Uh, big thing is Camping World Truck Series, they're preparing to race mid-Ohio, for the first time in series history. And that will take place the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150 at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course coming up on July 9th. Uh, since 2013, the track has hosted eight NASCAR Series events, but again, we'll now bring in the Truck Series for the first time, and it'll be the site of the Pennsylvania race of the regular season. And it'll also act as the last road course on the Camping World Truck Series schedule. So we have that to look forward to. Uh, it says only four current drivers in the Camping World Truck Series have prior experience in the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, uh, making starts in the Xfinity Series. And that's last year's Truck Series champion, Ben Rhodes. Uh, he ran in 2015 for Junior Motorsports, finishing 10th in one of the 10 races he ran for the 88 team. John Hunter Nemechek, a Cowbush Motorsports, finished 31st in 2019, running for GMS Racing in the Xfinity Series. And then two battling in the playoffs, Matt DiBenedetto of Rackley War, finished, two th- or finished 13th in 2014 with the Motorsports Group, and Timmy Hill came in 37th on a one-off spot for SS Greenlight Racing in 2014 and 27th in 2019 for MBM Motorsports. Okay. Um, I'm going to uh, jump up here to the regular season title watch. Zane Smith takes the series point standings lead, which is two races to go. Uh, he continues to have a standout year as he claims the driver's point lead in the truck series with just those two races left in the regular season. He's a California native. He's currently 21 points up on John Hunter Nemechek, who sits in second. Uh, and Smith's ascension to the standing lead comes after a strong second-place finish at Nashville, where he narrowly edged out Carson Hosevay in the closing lap. Now, Smith, in his first year of driving the number 38 for Front Row Motorsports, uh, has accumulated three wins, eight top fives, and 12 top tens. 
Uh, he has just one week off uh, before competing at, for the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150 at Mid-Ohio. Uh, but Smith can rest easy knowing that he's in a prime position to earn that extra 15 playoff points with the two races left in the regular season. Now, mathematically, Smith could clinch the regular season championship at Mid-Ohio, but he would need some help. In addition, uh, Smith will be looking forward to another road course on the uh, truck series schedule. He currently has a season best average at road courses. Uh, he has a win at the Circuit of Americas and a runner-up effort at Sonoma Raceway. So uh, a, lot, uh, a lot for Zane Smith to be thankful for uh, during this soft week. And then Priest has also been delivering for DGR. Yeah, DGR been strong as of late. Uh, it's the second time in two years that Ryan Priest took the checkered flag coming there in the Rackley Roofing 200 at Nashville Super Speedway. He's driving part-time for DGR and now won both NASCAR Camping World Truck Series events at Nashville since the sport returned to that track in 2021. Comes right after Todd Gillen. Uh, NASCAR Cup Series regular drove that same number 17 17, uh, team DGR Ford F-150. He picked up the win at Knoxville Raceway. So the 17 becomes the second entry throughout the season to go to victory lane with two different drivers, the other being the number 51 for Kyle Busch Motorsports, which Kyle Busch himself and Corey Heim knocked it out. And we mentioned team DGR gets that extra week of spoils from their victories as they're off this weekend, but they'll return to action next weekend when Sharon and I will do a further preview next Thursday for the Camping World Truck Series at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course for that O'Reilly Auto Parts 150. Yes, indeed. Uh, We're going to go ahead and move on now. Uh, We're actually a couple minutes ahead of schedule, but we're going to move on to the Xfinity Series, the Henry 180 that is taking place out at Road America this weekend, Saturday, July the 2nd at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Oh, my page just disappeared. Okay. Um, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The first there is $1,239,107. It will be televised on USA. can't emphasize that enough. A lot of folks uh, may not be aware that USA is part of the NBC network uh, package, and uh, they will carry that TV coverage starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, radio coverage is on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR radio, and they'll be racing a distance of 182.16 miles over 45 laps. Uh, the first two stages are 10 laps each. So it's, uh, stage one ends on lap 10, stage two on lap 20, and the last stage ends on the last lap, uh, lap 45, for a total of 25 laps in that final stage. So uh, Road America is uh, up on the schedule here for the Xfinity Series Day. And it involves a huge return, not just a Kyle Larson, but the team he's running for, Hendrick Motorsports, number 17. Now, that team will make its debut, but Hendrick Motorsports is returning to the NASCAR Xfinity Series, marking the first time in more than a decade that the 14-time NASCAR Cup Series championship-winning team has competed on the circuit. 
HMS will field the number 17 Chevrolet Camaro July 2nd at Road America. Driver will be Kyle Larson. It'll also uh, be on the track July 30th at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course with Alex Bowman, and then August 20th at Watkins Glen International with William Byron. We talked about this, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago as far as hot topics. Yep. Uh, all road courses right now, we'll see what more comes down the line. Okay. Well, there's another driver from the Arkham Menard Series uh, and the Arkham Menard Series East that is making his Xfinity Series debut at Road America, and that is Sammy Smith, the rainy ARCA East Championship with Joe Gibbs Racing. He's going to be behind the wheel of the number 18 JGR Toyota in the Xfinity Series this Saturday at Road America. Now, Smith will also run Xfinity races at Pocono Raceway, Michigan International Speedway, Watkins Glen International, Kansas Speedway, Bristol Motor Speedway, Martinsville Speedway, and Phoenix Raceway later this season. Uh, so pretty excited to see Sammy Smith, who's done so well. Uh, Arca, he's the reigning Arca East champion. He's been winning races in the Arkham and Art Series this season, and now he's getting that opportunity in the Xfinity Series. I can't wait to see what he does. Most certainly we have been looking forward to that, and again, what comes down in the future. Now, that's the future. Now we got to talk about now. we got a little short-time future, the playoff bubble. We still have five spots remaining in this series playoffs. Justin Algar snagging his second win of the season last weekend in Nashville, brought it down to five spots that are still up for grabs in the remaining 11 races of the season. We have seven drivers that have secured their spots on wins. That includes A.J. Allmendinger, Ty Gibbs, you mentioned Justin Algar, Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, Brandon Jones, and Austin Hill. The remaining spots are currently held by drivers who are sitting comfortably on points. Sam Mayer is, sits in six with 466 points, which is 162 up on the cut line. Riley Herbs is in ninth at 413. He's a 109 to the good. And then Daniel Hemrick, the 2021 Xfinity Series champion, is 10th in points at 409, but he's also 105 up. Now, taking up the last two slots, that's Landon Castle in 11th, who's 81 to the positive, and Ryan Sieg in the 12th and the final transfer spot on points. Now, Sieg has built up a hefty points cushion of 69 points, and that's over Anthony Alfredo, who is one just outside the playoff window in 13th. To keep the points cushion, though, Sieg would have to bring his A game as his eight starts at Road America have only produced one top 10 finish, but that came in 2020. On the other hand, our motorsports Anthony Alfredo, he'll be making his series track debut at Road America this weekend, so that'll be a highlight to watch, uh, the battle between them. Okay. Uh, Everybody's wondering, are we going to have a different Road America winner once again? Did you know that the Xfinity Series has been making its way to Elkhart Lake, Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin at Road America since 2010, and there has yet to be a repeat winner. Road America right now holds the longest active Xfinity Series different winner streak at 12. Uh, the record for the most consecutive different winners at a single track 
is actually 23 set at New Hampshire Motor Speedway between 1990 and the 2009 season. Of the 12 drivers that have made their way to victory lane uh, here in the Xfinity Series, only three are entered this weekend and have the opportunity to add a second Road America win to their resume. That could be A.J. Allmendinger, who won there in 2013, or is it going to be Jeremy Clements, who won in 2017, or Justin Algauer, who won in 2018? Allmendinger has four starts at the Wisconsin Road Course, and he's done quite well, posting one win, three top fives, and three top tens, and even adding a couple of poles in 2013 and 19 to the mix. Now, Road America is particularly special for him as it marks his first ever Xfinity Series win. In 2020, he put on quite the show as he raced his way up to a runner-up finish after starting from the 33rd spot. With his success at Road America and being the series' winningest driver on World Course, veteran could very well become the track's first ever repeat winner as his two wins this season have come at Coda and also at Portland. Now, in uh, 413 Xfinity Series starts, Jeremy Clements has posted one win, and that was at World America in 2017. The win came as a surprise for all as he was in a nine-year-old car with his small family-owned team. On top of that, he wasn't even sure if he'd be able to continue his NASCAR career after a 2004 race nearly cost him his hand. This season hasn't gone quite as planned for the number 51 for Jeremy Clements, uh, the driver of that Chevrolet. He's only posted one top 10 in his 15 starts this season, but maybe he'll surprise fans once again and find himself in victory lane for the second time. Right now, he's 20th in the playoff outlook. He's the last eligible driver. Ogawa, on the other hand, is looking to keep his momentum alive after coming off a win just last weekend at Nashville. He has 10 starts at Road America, posting one win, two top fives, and five top tens. He's also tied for the most top tens with Elliott Sadler at five. Although he didn't have a great finish at the road course at Coda earlier this season, he finished 33rd. He redeemed himself at the 1.97-mile road course in Portland, with a fifth-place finish. So we'll see if one of those three drivers uh, can make it a repeat win. And they look at this making the left and right turns for the Xfinity Series over the 4th of July weekend. The Series drivers will be kicking off the 4th of July weekend at a 4.048-mile, 13-turn road course there in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin at Road America. That'll be on Saturday, July 2nd for the Henry 180. Sharon mentions on the USA Network, MRN, and then Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. The track has hosted 12 Xfinity Series races, producing 12 different winners and seven pole winners, with Carl Edwards winning the inaugural race on June 19, 2010. Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibbs currently sits as the youngest pole winner having snagged the pole last year at 18 years, 8 months, and 29 days uh, old. Current Cup Series rookie Austin Sindrick became the youngest winner at the road course in 2020 as he accomplished the feat at just 21 years old, 11 months, and 6 days. 
Now, fans saw last year saw veteran Kyle Busch take the lead in the last five laps of the race to find himself in victory lane for the event at Road America. Although Busch will not be competing this weekend in the Xfinity Series, some other Cup Series regulars will be taking to the track for Saturday's Henry 180, sorry, such as mentioned Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick will be in that group, Ty Dillon, and Cole Custer. And we have three former Xfinity Series Road America winners entered as well, Justin Algar coming in 2018, A.J. Allmendinger to it in 2013, and then we mentioned that great story of Jeremy Clements in 2017. The on-track action will begin on Friday, July 1st. That will come with practice at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time, followed by qualifying at 6 p.m. Eastern, and that will all be on the USA Network. All right. Uh, We'll go ahead and move on now to the NASCAR Cup Series. Excuse me. The Strip 250 presented by Jockey Made in America is at Road America on Sunday, July the 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. The purse here is a hefty $7,145,001. It will be on USA starting at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 250.98 miles uh, over 62 laps. First stage ends a lap 15 for 15 laps. Stage 2 also 15 laps ends on lap 30. And the final stage is 32 laps ending on lap 62. What do we have for the Cup Series, Jay? Well, we got another driver attempt to make a second start, it looks like. That's Loris Hesman. The team Hesberg, or Loris Hesman, will attempt to qualify for the NASCAR Cup Series race, the Quick Trip 250, presented by Jockey Made in America. And it'll be Sunday, July 3rd at Road America, Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Hesman's is from Andover, or Endhoven, sorry, Endhoven, Netherlands made his series career debut earlier this season at the Circuit of Americas, where he started 36, but unfortunately finished 34th, seven laps down due to a rear gear issue. Now, this will be Hesman's series track debut at Road America, though he does have one start at the track in the Xfinity Series back in 2019 for B.J. McLeod Motorsports, where he started 24th and finished 22nd. Okay, a couple of other drivers uh, joining the uh, action this weekend are sports car stars, Kelly and Hans, uh, two drivers that cut their teeth in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Kyle Tilly and Joey Hans will be attempting to make the NASCAR Cup Series race this weekend at Road America. Kyle Tilly hailed from Bath, England, and this weekend will be his fourth career start in the series and the first of the season. Tilly will be piloting the number 78 Live Fast Motorsports Ford with crew chief Lee Leslie on Sunday. In his three career starts in the series last season, there's there's some background noise, Jay. In his three career starts in the series last season, he's put up finishes at 31st Dakota, 35th at Road America, 30th at Watkins Glen. 
Kelly is no stranger to Road America. He has won IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship start at the track where he started fourth and finished third in the Oreca OMP207 for Era Motorsports last season. Hand is a former Chip Ganassi racing driver in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and began an association with Ford in 2015. That year, he became a full-time driver for Ganassi and finished fourth in the IMSA prototype standings while teamed with Scott Pruitt. Hand is from Sacramento, California, and he'll be piloting the number 15 Rick Ware Racing Ford this weekend at Road America with crew chief Kevin. Oh, let's see. Rebo, let's see. Reboledo. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. This weekend will be his fourth career start in the series and third of the season. In his first three starts, he put up a 27th at the Charlotte Roble in 2020. The 35th at Coda in 2021, and 20th at Sonoma in 2021. So this weekend will be his Cup Series track debut. Hand has competed at Road America in IMSA, posting an eighth-place finish for Turner Motorsports in a BMW M3 in 2011. So uh, good to see a couple of uh, other drivers on the track this weekend. Certainly going to be an interesting mix. And we got several mentioned on the earlier. Six drivers will be pulling double duty this weekend at Road America. A.J. Allmendinger, Ty Dillon, Josh Balicki, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, and then Kyle Larson as they'll be competing in both the NASCAR Xfinity Series on Saturday, July 2nd, and the NASCAR Cup Series on July 3rd at Road America. So they got to have a lot of time on that road course. Yes, they will. There's also some first-time winners on road courses uh, because since 2018, the Cup Series road courses have accumulated four first-time winners in the series, including two this season. That's Casale at Watkins Glen in 2018. Christopher Bell won on the road course at Daytona in 2021. And then earlier this year, you had Ross Chastain winning at Coda and Daniel Suarez won the race at Sonoma. So uh, could there be another first-time winner this weekend on a road course? Well, they're going to have to go through the Baker's Dozens as we have a worth of road course winners entered at Road America. You can't just throw a wrench in the NASCAR Cup Series garage without hitting an active road course winner this weekend at Road America as 13 compete on Sunday, July 3rd in that quick trip 250 presented by Jockey Made in America. Led by last season's Road America winner, Chase Elliott, we have seven NASCAR, who has seven NASCAR Series road course wins. The 13 active road course winners will be taking to the 4.048 mile this weekend and includes the series' most recent road winner, uh, Monterey, Mexico's Daniel Suarez, who took the win back at Sonoma Raceway just a few weeks back. If Elliott wins this weekend, he'll tie NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart for the second most NASCAR Cup Series road course wins all time with eight each. And that's just one behind Series road course winner record holder, NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon, who has nine road course wins. 
got take a look at it of Chase Elliott, current active road course winners. Chase Elliott having a total of seven, two coming at Watkins Glen, two at the Charlotte Roval, one at the Daytona Road Course. Circuit of Americas, and then one at Road America. Next down is Kyle Busch and Martin Truex. They each have four. Kyle's coming two at Sonoma and two at Watkins Glen. Martin Truex piled up on Sonoma. He's got three at Sonoma and one at Watkins Glen. Kyle Larson has three. These are spread out over the Charlotte Roval, Watkins Glen, and Sonoma. Kevin Harvick, one each at Sonoma and Watkins Glen. And A.J. Allmendinger, also has the Indy Road course along with the Watkins Glen for two. And then Joey Logano, Kurt Busch, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Ross Chastain, and Daniel Suarez each have one apiece. Kurt Busch is coming at Sonoma. Ryan Blaney on the Charlotte Roval. Christopher Bell is the one that picked up one of the Daytona Road course uh, victories. Denny Hamlin's at Watkins Glen. We saw Ross Chastain pick his up the Circuit of Americas. And then Daniel Suarez, as I mentioned, at Sonoma just a few weeks ago. So Chase Elliott, the only one, though, with the Road America one. Did we lose you again? I'm on mute. Okay, it seems like... Oh, there she is. Okay. Yeah, I was on mute. Harvick is going to bounce. Harvick last uh, week bounced Amarola out of the playoff transfer spot with Stuart House Racing teammate Kevin Harvick finishing 16th and Eric Amarola 17th, teetering on the postseason cut line in the Cup Series playoff outlook standings. These last nine races left in the regular season are going to be tense. A mere nine points separates the Stuart Haas teammates in the series as the series heads to Road America this weekend. Now heading into Nashville last weekend, Amarola was 16th with a seven-point cushion between himself and Harvick. But Harvick's top 10 finish was enough to leapfrog Amarola in the standings and put himself back into the postseason contention. This weekend at Road America, Amarola will tie try to regain his standing in the points. Last season, uh, he finished 14th to Harvick's 27th at Road America. Now, of the drivers without wins this season heading into this weekend at Road America, Team Penske's Ryan Blaney right now has the largest points cushion on the playoff cut line with a cushion of 112 points. Blaney's coming off a solid third-place finish last week at Nashville, and hopes that some of that momentum will carry over this weekend on the Elkhart Lake Road Course. Now, Blaney finished 20th at Road America last season, but he does have one career Cup Road Course win on the Charlotte Level in 2018. Next on the playoff outlook grid are Joe Gibbs Racing teammates and former Road Course winners, Martin Truex Jr. and Christopher Bell, to 73-point edge on the postseason cutoff. And Bell is up by 37 points. Schwartz is tied with Kyle Busch for the second most road course wins among active drivers with four each. Truex won the three races at Sonoma and once at Watkins Glen. And he finished ninth last year at Road America. As for Bell, he grabbed his first career Cup Series win at the Daytona Beach Road Course in 2021. 
Watch for Bell to contend this weekend because he finished runner-up to Elliott just last season in the Road America race. So we've pretty much covered uh, uh, the people that are uh, on that bubble between Ryan Blaney, Martin Trix, Christopher Bell, and Kevin Harvick above the cat line. And then going down the 20th, you've got Eric Amarola, Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon, and Eric Jones. Uh, they need wins to get in. Uh, but there is uh, another slew of drivers here that are actually eligible if they also could get a win, they could get in. That includes Michael McDowell, Chris Busher, Justin Haley, Bubba Wallace, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Ty Dillon, Cole Custer, Harrison Burton, a rookie, uh, as is Todd Dillon, and Brad Keselowski sits in that 30th spot. So uh, it's an interesting playoff picture this year. We'll have to see what happens in these next nine races. Well, and I know any given weekend, but we also got the road course here, especially Road America. We end the season at Daytona. There's some real wild cards out there that could change a lot of things in a hurry. Yes, indeed. And we're going to shift the spotlight over to Chase Elliott and following his Nashville win. As a Hendrick Motorsports driver, Chase Elliott became the fifth driver of 2022 uh, season with two victories following that last weekend's victory at Nashville Super Speedway. He is now the NASCAR Cup Series points leader, holding a 30-point edge on Ross Chastain in second in the driver's standings. And the spotlight shifts its focus to the series' most popular driver in his quest for a second title. Elliott's win in Nashville gave him a much-needed cushion between himself and Chastain as they battle it out for the regular season championship which comes with a coveted 15 playoff points bonus. Unlike last season's past, when one driver would accumulate a lot of playoff points heading into the postseason, this year only five drivers with multiple wins are primary, primarily grasping onto the lion's share of those playoff points. Elliott has built up 13, as well as Chastain and William Byron. Joey Logano has accumulated 12, along with Denny Hamlin, that makes him making winning this season's regular season title match all that much more important. Unfortunately for Chase Elliott, the NASCAR Cup Series is returning to a road course this weekend, which is the type of track that nearly half, uh, seven of his 15 career wins have come on, including last season's at Road America. Elliott has also grabbed those road course wins at Watkins Glen in 2018 and 19 the Charlotte Roval in 19 and 20, Daytona Road Course in 2020, and in 2021, it was the Circuit of Americas. Last year at Road America, Elliott started 34, but raced his way up to the win, leading 24 laps en route to that checkered flag. This year, Elliott has put up the two wins coming now at Dover and Nashville, a total of four top fives and 11 top tens. He's led 513 laps and let, held the point standings lead since assuming the position following Atlanta. If Elliott manages to hold on and win the NASCAR Series regular season championship, he'll become the fifth different driver to accomplish the feat. And that would join Martin Truex Jr. in 2017. Kyle Busch did it in 2018 and 19. Kevin Harvick did it in 2020. And then Hendrick Motorsports teammate Kyle Larson did it 
last year en route to his championship. <clears throat> if Elliott were to go on and win the overall series championship in Phoenix in November, he would become just the 17th driver all time with multiple titles. That would put him on a big list. He would join Herb Thomas, who did it in 51 and 53, Tim Falk in 52 and 55, Buck Baker did it in 56 and 57, Joe Weatherly, 62 and 63, Ned Jarrett, 1961 and 65, Terry Labonte did it a decade apart, 1984 and 1996, and then Kyle Busch is the most recent in 2015 and again in 2019. That would be the eighth driver all time with just two series championships. Amazing. It really is. Okay, now NASCAR is celebrating the 4th of July weekend at Road America for the second year in a row. The Cup Series uh, is celebrating Independence Day uh, in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, competing in the world-famous Road America this Sunday, July the 3rd. This weekend's Quick Trip 250 presented by Jockey Made in America marks just the third time in series history that Road America has hosted a Cup Series event in 1956, 2001, and in 2022. In the early 50s, the sports car races were being run in the streets in and around Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, but the state legislator banned racing on the public roads soon after. A man named Cliff Tufty organized a group of local citizens and leaders of the Chicago region of the Sports Car Club of America, SCCA. And this group developed plans and sold stock to build a permanent race course. The overall vision of Road America grew out of the dreams of Tufty, a highway engineer who chose 525 acres of Wisconsin farmland outside the village of Elkhart Lake for the track. Brown broke the Road America in April of 1955, and the track's first SCCA National Race Weekend was held later that same year on September 10th of 1955. At the 4.048 miles in length with 14 turns, the track is virtually the same today as it was when it was first laid out. The natural topography of the glacial cattle moraine area was utilized for the track sweeping around rolling hills and plunging through ravines, making it one of the most challenging tracks in the world. The first and up until last season, the only Cup Series race at Road America was on August 12th of 1956. An estimated crowd of 10,000 braved terrible weather to watch that event. And in an unusual ruling, NASCAR limited the cars to 10 pounds of fuel at the start of the race. The August 12, 1956 race was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Tim Flock, driving a Mercury for car owner Bill Stropey. Flock led 17 laps of the 63-lap event, making just two pit stops en route to his win, his fourth victory of the 1956 season. Flock won an average speed. Uh, with an average speed of 73.858 miles per hour, and he did it in 3 hours, 29 minutes, and 50 seconds. He won the race by a 17-second margin of victory over second place, and Bill Stoffy's cars actually finished 1-2 in the race, with Flock winning, and his teammate Billy Myers was the driver finishing in second. 
Then last season, the Cup Series uh, returned to Road America after nearly 65 years, and the race was run by Hendrick Motorsports driver Chase Elliott with a margin of victory of 5.705 seconds over second-place Christopher Bell. Road America will be the third of six road courses on the schedule this year, Circuit of Americas and Sonoma Raceway and Road America, and then upcoming are Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course, Watkins Glen International, the Charlotte Roval, and uh, actually track house racing teammates, Ross Castain, who won at Circuit of the Americas, and Daniel Suarez at Sonoma have already won the first two road courses of this year. The high-speed on-track activity for the Cup Series will begin this weekend with practice starting at 11.30 to 12.30 p.m., uh, directly followed by the Bush Light Pole qualifying at 12.20 p.m. Eastern, and both events will be televised on USA Network from 12 to 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. Wow, they're saying that race is going to be just an hour and a half. You think that's going to be the case, Jay? No, that was for for practice and qualifying. Oh, okay. I misread that then. (laughs) I was going to say, that doesn't seem possible. Okay. We are at the top of the hour, which means it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, Since Tommy's not here yet, Jay, do you want to give a real quick update on our uh, fan and fantasy points? All right, let me get those pulled up here real quick. Uh, I know we had some shifting um, of points yet again as we get down here into the nitty-gritty of it. My screenshots, here we go. On the uh, truck side, Andy has kind of taken a solid lead, 71 points in the truck series. Sam's at 64, Mike 63, Tommy 59, Owen 57, Brian at 54. Uh, I don't want you to feel left out, Sharon. You are up to the third from the bottom. You're up to 51. James at 50. <laughs> and I stayed down at the bottom by myself now with 46. So Chuck Series uh, hurt me bad this year. You're, you're starting us. to climb away from me, though. <laughs> okay. On what about Xfinity, the Xfinity here? Andy's been in control. He's got Next is James at 65. Uh, Brian and myself are tied at 62. Tommy at 60. Mike, 59. Uh, Sam, 56. Sharon at 55. And Owen, 51. But there from second through ninth is only 14-point difference, whereas Andy has a 14-point lead overall. On the cup side... There it's been Brian, 118 points. Second is Tommy at 96. Sharon, you're up to third at 90. I'm tagging along at 93. James at 90. Sam, 85. Mike, 83. Owen, 79. Andy's hurting a little bit there at 72. Uh, So last update overall, Brian leads at 234 points. Andy, 227. Tommy, 215. James and Mike and Sam all tied at 205. Sharon, you and I are tied at 201. And then Owen at 187. So 
Still quite a bit here in the regular season before we go into our double points of the playoffs. Yes, indeed. I hope to do some catching up with those double points. We'll see what happens. All right, Tommy has joined us now. And uh, first of all, welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Can you Thanks hear me? me back. Yes, hey, how are y'all? Oh, okay. Well, we're really happy that you're here. So uh, thanks for being here. Uh, let's go ahead and get started with our hot topics. And Tommy, I'm going to have you kick us off tonight. Okay, let's go with um, let's go with one we didn't discuss last week with Dale Jr. Um, in talks about joining the uh, Cup Series. All right, Jay, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I kind of figured Tommy was going to get going to get to that one. I know we didn't get to it last week. Uh, I believe it was Kelly Earnhardt Miller that had a video out on it. We know that it, uh, Junior Motorsports, Dale Earnhardt Jr., has expressed interest in it. I, I'm going to try real hard not to veer off onto another uh, hot topic, but a lot of it revolves around the charter system. Uh, talking about get it, obtaining a charter. I know Denny Hamlin has mentioned it. The cost of a charter for a single charter. We saw Trackhouse Racing buy out another team. So for motorsports to come in, uh, he's either going to have to pony up the money or, or take that without a charter. And I don't think he's willing to commit to that. So I'd love to see it. I know that Junior Motorsports, with what we've seen in the Xfinity Series, has built a really strong team to see them cup series, the top competitive teams, I think would be good for the sport. Having junior involved in the sport shape or form obviously is a good thing, but having another top tier team that we can see competitive. We've seen 2311 accomplish that track house racing. And we know there's a couple more in the, which leads me back to I think NASCAR needs to look at the charter system and locking certain teams in. Yeah, it's it's, uh, really interesting to see how this is playing out. Um, They do have some interest, but Kelly Ironheart, her comment is, I don't think we'll be cup racing full-time for 2023. That's for certain. Right now, our sites are set beyond that. So it won't be next year that we see uh, Junior Motorsports in the Cup Series. If they are in the Cup Series, it would be a part-time uh, stint before they uh, uh, go to full-time racing. Uh, and I think that's a smart move for them to do a part-time. But you're right, Jay. What's standing in the way of them being able to go in full-time into the NASCAR Cup Series is the cost of the Chargers. Uh, so I hope Nestor is looking at that because uh, it, it's gotten a little bit crazy, if you will, uh, to the point that uh, Justin Marks kind of did it uh, very uniquely by buying out an organization in order to gain the charters from that organization. Uh, but not everybody is able to do that. And I don't know, maybe they earn her thoughts. Uh, maybe they have their sights on something uh, down the road but it's certainly not going to happen in 2023. I think it is going to be interesting uh, to see how they do play this out. Uh, And the fact that they have their sights set beyond 2023 tells me that there is a plan 
that they are putting into place. And I'll say, I think we will see them part-time maybe next season, maybe a few races next season, uh, but I certainly don't look for them to be full-time next season. Tommy, what are your thoughts? Um, really excited to hear it because um, Dale Jr., you know, is huge in the sport, and uh, I would really love for him to be back. You know, I miss DEI, and uh, I'm just want to know what his numbers are going to be. I mean, um, is he going to be the 81 car? Is he going to get the 8 back? Is he going to get the 3, uh, the 15 car, the 1 car? Well, no, I can't get the 1 car because that's Ross Chastain now. So, um, but... I just want to know who, like, what charter would he possibly buy? Who, what are the options out there? Who's going to be the driver? I mean, he's got a few uh, in the Xfinity series, and Noah Graxton and Justin Allgaier that he could pull up, or Josh Berry even. Uh, another outside option possibly is if Martin Truex, you know, just throwing it out there. What happens if he – uh, doesn't retire after uh, next year with Joe Gibbs, and then when Junior is hopefully full time the next year, maybe Truex and Junior can team back up again, uh, like uh, when he was uh, in the Xfinity Series for him. So, I mean, that, that's oh, I like that, awesome. that would be a perfect story. That would be awesome if it happened. But um, you know, who knows what will happen? But uh, just excited to hear that Junior's go taking it seriously, and I agree with y'all. Eh? It's the only thing that's holding back is the money. Um, they need to figure something else about that. But um, I wonder if it will be a conflict of interest with Hendrick uh, in the extremity level if he goes cup racing because I feel like they have, like, some sort of partnership. But either way, it's just good news, and um, it would be great to see Junior back in the sport. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's only great news and only excitement. Uh, here, so that, that's I'm, I'm ready. I just want to know who it's going to be and when it's going to happen. All right, uh, I really like uh, some of the thoughts that you had there, Tommy. Uh, but Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, just to be clear, it'd be a totally outlandish thought, but since Tommy was throwing one out there, I'll throw one out there too. Maybe it's Dodge comes back and, and gets he gets the support from Dodge with that Martin Truex uh, team. Going back to you, oh it was, I believe, Champs <laughs> 2 Motorsports in the Xfinity Series when uh, when he drove for when Martin Truex Jr. drove for Dale Earnhardt Jr. But realistically, when I look at it, and I was thinking about this a little earlier today, the intent of the charter system, I still believe on paper, is good. And with that, though, I think they need to look at the locked-in deal. You can still get the team's bonus and something that is something tangible to market when they choose to get out. But what we're seeing as these bigger teams come in and purchase a charter, these smaller teams disappear. If you've got teams that are battling for four available spots that aren't locked in, guaranteed every week, the smaller budget teams can't afford to take that chance. Whereas and I'm sure he doesn't want to, but junior motorsports can get a chance. And if they don't qualify for a race, still be able to make it to the next one. Um, so I don't think NASCAR truly fixed the problem. And, and I look at when we used to have 43 starters, they didn't like the idea of start and park teams or teams back marker teams. 
we cut it down to 42 and then 40. Well, now we're only getting 37 teams. So all it did was shrink the field uh, down to your top to, uh, top contending teams. You still have those few teams that make starts here, uh, one-off starts here and there, but aren't truly top competitive teams. So I think to get back to it, NASCAR has to look at a way to open it back up where week in and week out, every team has the same shot at getting into the race uh, for that week. Um, I can't fully explain or put it out to, to a solution. I just think that's the direction it needs to go. There can still be a way to reward the charter teams, if you will, even if they don't qualify, they get a certain amount of the per, uh, prize purse because they're a charter team. Something like that could still be worked out. I think then you would see more teams come in. We've, we've heard talk, uh, I know GMS came up, they had to partner with uh, Richard Petty Motorsports and essentially split that team as Richard Petty still had two charters. If not, you're going to see teams like Junior Motorsports, and I'm going to use either Rick Ware or BJ McLeod, buy up their charter, and those teams then can't afford to make it week in and week out, so we're still down to 36 teams. However, I think they'd be more competitive 36 teams than what we see now, so uh, I, I'm not sure what the answer is fully there. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, situation, and I'm pretty sure NASCAR's looking at it, and I'm sure they're getting feedback. Uh, from a lot of different directions with regard to the charter system and how difficult it is to deal with it at this point. Um, I, I like uh, your ideas, and um, uh, I, I think the possibility for NASCAR to look at that, it doesn't totally answer the situation, but it, it kind of moves it in the right direction, and, and that's what they need. They need something that moves it in the right direction, um, that uh, keeps all of these teams competitive uh, in the NASCAR Cup Series uh, schedule. Um, and uh, Tommy, I really loved your idea of putting Martin Truex together back with Junior Motorsports uh, and kind of putting that uh, uh, partnership together because they did start out together at DEI. And I would love to see that if it, if it would come to that. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But I like the idea, Tommy. Uh, maybe you could go whisper in somebody's ear over there in North Carolina. Uh, maybe they'll listen to our podcast and they'll, uh, they'll read our minds and they know exactly what we want. But that would that's just dream scenario. I mean, that would be perfect if it worked out that way. But um, yeah, I'm just super excited that Junior's going to be back involved. I mean, he's got the podcast. He was a former racer. He's from Dell Earnhardt, and now he's going to be back in the sport. Um, it's amazing. Uh, I, I can't wait. I'm just ready to see who's going to be the driver. There's so many possibilities. How many cars is he going to have? Is he going to merge? I've even thought this. Would he merge with Richard Childress maybe? Um, or would he merge? Well, he can't really merge with Henry because they've got four cars already. I wish you could do a fifth car or something, um, but, yeah, just super excited and can't wait. My head's spinning trying to figure out who will be where and how it's all going to work out, but um, just ready to see see it happen. 
Okay. Well, let me just uh, do a little bragging here, if you will, on Jason Schultz. He started at Bamford Racing Radio here when he was 15 years old and uh, was on our radio show for several years. Uh, He is now uh, a producer uh, behind the scenes uh, for Dale Jr.'s Download and Door Bumper Clear and and a couple of other uh, radio shows that I think he's doing with – with uh, someone else as well. So I did have a chance to see him in uh, Chicago and Speedway at one point, and uh, he gave me a big hug, and he said, uh, there's so much that I learned from doing the podcast with you guys at Bamper Racing Radio that uh, is helping me now. Now, I know he said that just to make me feel good, but uh, he did go to North Carolina, University of North Carolina, and has an education in communications and and, uh, doing exactly what he's doing. So uh, I'm just real proud of Jason Schultz who started here at uh, Bamper Racing. So, and he had his own website as well, so... Uh, real proud of that guy. Thank you for indulging me. Jay? <laughs> well, no, I, I got to say that. And to, just to add that, to that, and I, I was there when you got to uh, to see him after all those years. I know the opportunity you've given myself and um, others here at Fan for Racing, and we do greatly appreciate it. Uh, so uh, I, I also have to reiterate that. Of thank you so much with that. Oh, well, I wasn't looking for compliments, but I'm just so proud of Jason and uh, all that he's done. But thank you for that, Jay. I do appreciate it. And uh, uh, you never know what can happen. Okay, Jay, what's our next mm-hmm. hot topic? Well, we talked about this already already a little bit, uh, the partnership with Flow Racing and MAV TV, uh, partnering up for streaming services. And I know Sharon and I say we already talked about it a little bit. It was tough to keep uh, keep from straying off onto that as it comes to the hot topic. So we'll go ahead and do it now. Okay. Yes, it was. I don't know if you've had a chance to read that or not, Tommy. Uh, did you see that news? Uh, yes, ma'am. Also, I want to say thank you for letting me be on your show, too. But um, I did see that. And... Uh, I really hope that um, the place in Winston-Salem, I can't think of the name of it right now, but it's new here in North Carolina. Um, oh, man, I can't believe I'm blanking out on that. Uh, Bowman Gray. Maybe Bowman Gray will be on MAV TV because that would be awesome. Um, I'm from North Carolina, and over the past few years, I've seen how popular that track is, and I've heard about it. I've never been to go see it. So maybe I can catch a race um, on the TV, on that MAV TV deal. Um, that, I, uh, that she posted today, and uh, or I could just go up there. I was saying it was like three or four hours away, but either way, um, short, everybody wants short tracks back. Um, everybody wants NASCAR to add a few more to the schedule, so it just makes sense that they're going to uh, or show more uh, short track, local short track racing on TV. Now, it, means. it seems like there's a demand for it, and um, I can't. Uh, maybe I'll catch some races and see some of these tracks, like uh, SRX is going to, like South Boston and stuff. Um, I think it's really cool, and it shows kind of like um, everybody working their way up through the ranks to get to the top level, which is awesome. Yes, I signed up for Flow Racing this season, and 
I've really enjoyed it. Um, the fact that they're now taking um, Mad TV will still be on the cable networks. Uh, that will not be affected. Uh, but basically, what's happened here is they've taken the Mad TV Plus streaming app, and that is no longer that will only be in operation from June 30th through the end of July. What was it? The 29th day of July or 26th. Through Tuesday, the 26th of July, and um, uh, then everything, all the subscribers at MAP TV Plus are being uh, redirected over to, to Flow Racing, and they'll be given special instructions on how they can subscribe to Flow Racing season and um, uh, still be able to see their MAP TV Plus uh, content. So I think it's a, a wonderful partnership, uh, and you're right. There is a demand uh, for this grassroots, short track racing. NASCAR's uh, certainly got their stamp there with the NASCAR Weekly Touring Series races at the local short tracks. Uh, and, yeah, it would make you watch Bowman Uh Mad TV focuses a lot on the Lucas Oil. Uh, off-road and, and the Lucas Oil uh, series, the Chili Bowl and some of those series. So um, it's it's really great that we'll be able to see all of that now. Instead of on two separate apps, it's all together on one app. I, I think that's uh, wonderful news. And uh, very happy to hear that. Uh, that came out late this afternoon, and I posted it here on Hot Topics. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? It almost you mentioned earlier you thought it almost sounded like a bias. Well, yeah, to a certain level, and I think it is that Mav TV with their streaming, they just weren't reaching the same audience. So to with Flow Racing, partner with Flow Racing, that the form and viewership that they have established, and like you said, the focus is still different. And I know Floor Racing, from when we had Brandon on, the expanse that they cover, you know, they need, uh, how do you say it, they, they have the, the supplies, they don't have the warehouse, or they don't have the distribution. They don't have to cover all of these places. I know they got quite a few. I've worked with several of them at different tracks, especially if you're talking about covering more options, such as you mentioned, the, the Lucas Oil off-road racing I know MAV-TV does a lot with the uh, boating series as well. So it's bringing another aspect to it that they maybe don't have the, the platform, whereas Flow Racing has the platform but doesn't have the manning to cover them. So I think it's a great combination. The only drawback I see then, and I, I, reading on there now, it says they cover over 2,000 races uh, live annually, that the price may go up. I mean, I understand there is a cost with it, but as something builds into a monopoly, then you're you're looking at you've got to pay their price. So that would be my only little bit of a concern when it comes to that. But so far, as you mentioned, I mean, well worth the value if you're a race fan and it covers such a broad and is even going to now widen out even more. So, again, whether it be go-kart racing, midget racing, sprint car racing, both asphalt and dirt track <laughs> racing, you're going to find it on there. Um, as the two combined, you're even getting the addition of off-road racing as well as boat racing and other things that MAV-TV uh, produces so um, and covers. So the price may have to go up a little bit. Hopefully it's not terribly much. 
Tommy, any follow-up? That it's awesome that they're going to show local short tracks and they're going to do this promotion. I mean, like me and you said, there is a a market for it. So it just makes sense, and um, hopefully I'll uh, catch a few good races or a few tracks I've never seen before. Okay. Yeah, I I really don't have a whole lot to add either. I just think uh, you bring up a good point, and that thought certainly crossed my mind as well, Jay, uh, because, uh, you know, you have to to pay for the subscription, and now with the addition of the Mac TV Plus uh, streaming on Flow Racing, uh, I I just worry about, oh, boy, what's the subscription price going to be? Uh, next year when it comes time to renew. But um, uh, hopefully that, you know, it won't be a whole lot. I think I signed up for Match TV Plus at 1.2, and their pricing was not too bad. Uh, they offered a monthly option, which was nice, uh, and it wasn't uh, terribly expensive. So hopefully um, Flow Racing won't have to go up uh, too terribly high if they do need to uh, increase that subscription price. Jay, you get the final word here. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see long-term down the road uh, of if they split again. Um, right now, it wor- it's working for everybody, especially under this trial period or, or uh, temporary uh, aspect, and then slow racing covering it. Um, we'll see how long that lasts. Maybe they can build and separate again as MAV-TV Plus gets built up to where they need to be as far as a platform for doing their own. Uh, When it comes to, I know um, you mentioned MAV-TV being on cable, not all cable cable companies carry that. So we've seen that in the past of it's not available to everybody. This way it is at least getting it out there to everybody through Flow Racing um, that they need that in order to get established on their own. Um, so right now it's obviously a big bonus and a plus for, for everybody across the board. See what the future holds. As you like to say, the time will tell the rest of the story, um, when it comes to that of if they continue it as a permanent thing or, uh, as I, I referred to it as kind of a buyout, if it all becomes under flow racing. But I think that there's, there's room because they are two different platforms. They're just, uh, working together for the best distribution to the fans at this point. Yeah, my understanding, Jay, is that that Mad TV Plus app will be discontinued as of midnight on July the 26th. So that will no longer be in operation at all. Uh, now, whether or not they bring it back, I don't know. Uh, but the plan at this point is for them just to discontinue the Mad TV Plus app. And everything will then be incorporated into Flow Racing. Uh, so really, this is for subscribers of Mav TV Plus to make that transition over to Flow Racing, uh, so that they don't um, lose out on their subscription uh, that they have at, at Mav TV Plus. And so they have until July 26th um, of this year at midnight in order to make that transition. And then after after July 26th, there will be no Math TV Plus streaming app. Okay, uh, Tommy, do you want to bring up the next uh, topic? 
jumped on me, so let me uh, kind of go back. Jay, have you uh, caught up on that? Uh, what is it that you have to say? Well, I personally, I like it. I like that intensity. Uh, there was a little bit of bumping and banging on the track. Uh, afterwards, Tony Stewart was uh, what they call the return of Uncle Tony. He definitely was fired up, uh, was in the face of uh, Ernie Francis Jr., and even afterwards, he said, you know, he brought him in for a reason. He loves his his racing. He feels he made a mistake there. And maybe some of these guys are um, need that learning and mentorship from a driver like Tony Stewart. So he said he's willing to give it to him. Uh, as he said, he's going to change the way he races. Uh, I don't know that Tony Stewart has ever changed the way he races, but that it's going to be a little different moving forward the rest of the season. And that's what I like about this this six-race deal that SRX is doing. The intensity is there. You don't have time to wait around. You've got to go, which is part of the short track um, atmosphere of it as well. You don't have 100 laps, 500 laps to, to wait and work on your car. You've got to be fast, and you've got to go, go right from the get-go. So, But Tony Stewart, I know he's in a box of being – the owner of the series, as well as in driving. I think he's been doing a great job of it. Well, hopefully that doesn't become a conflict because I'd like to see that. Uh, we saw it last year with Paul Tracy, and they highlighted it. I mean, that's part of it. I don't want to say it was a show that Paul Tracy was putting on just for the fans. That's just how intense he is, and they've been allowed in this series. Um, Certain series, uh, not to say NASCAR is doing anything wrong, but it's a little more corporate where this is the boys have at it for the series type style. So I know we talked about that of uh, with the engines of, you know, if you want an outlaw series, run what you brung, run a separate series I'm for it. I think Tony has opened Jay. the door. Yep, go ahead. Okay, I, I apologize for that. But uh, we're coming up to the 10.30 time frame, and for those people that are tuning in for the first time, we make an announcement at this time to let you know that we are going off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. However, we do continue recording the rest of our conversation, and that part of our podcast will be available uh, when we get done here. So what I do is I go on uh, Twitter to let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can fast forward uh, via the player that we have available at vampracing.com. Just fast forward to the two-hour mark, and you can hear the rest of the conversation. I think I just got that in. Uh, so, Jay, if you can go ahead and uh, complete your thought there. Okay. Yeah, I was saying that Tony kind of brought that of an atmosphere of a of a free, not for a complete free for all, but part of his aspect of it was from the team ownership side or the series ownership side, being that they provide the cars. He doesn't want to see the cars get torn up every week, 
but it is also a little bit more freedom when it comes to the drivers and their personalities. Um, whereas, and we talked about it with sponsorships with, uh, with our guest tonight, Kyle Lockrow of the corporate side of it, since this is all sponsored and provided for, you got a little more freedom of driver personality and, and the openness of it, if you will, um, which I think is what part of what draws the fans to it. I would agree. Um, you know, I never like to see people not get along with each other. I think uh, as much as they don't like it necessarily, uh, I think a lot of people um, uh, do kind of find it entertaining when NASCAR drivers don't get along or when any kind of drivers uh, have a skirmish and they don't get along. It just creates some uh, some extra buzz, if you will, around the sport. Uh, so even bad news sometimes is still uh, exposure for that sport. Uh, to me, it's not necessarily positive exposure. Uh, I, I think that these drivers are role models. I know they don't uh, think of themselves as that. but um, I do think that uh, energy around the sport, as much as I don't like the fact that it's not a good uh, role model for uh, the kids that we're raising, <laughs> uh, we like to teach kids how to uh, get along in this world. But everybody has emotions, and in the world of racing, emotions are a part of that sport. Uh, and a lot of times what people say immediately following a race is not always the same way they look at it when they've had a chance to take that step back and look at it again. So hopefully these guys have worked that out, uh, and uh, it's not going to be an issue moving forward. I don't know. Uh, we're talking about Tony Stewart here. So uh, Tony's learned a lot over the years, I'm sure, because he's a team owner now. Uh, he's very much involved in motorsports, and not just NASCAR, but uh, in other sporting venues as well, and SRX is one of those. Uh, he owns the track at Eldora Speedway. Um, so NASCAR or racing is a very big part of uh, Tony Stewart's lifestyle, and uh, he's very passionate about it. So, um, yeah, it creates a buzz. Um, and hopefully he's had a chance to kind of take another look at it, him and Ernie Francis Jr., and maybe they've got maybe a little bit different opinion a few days after the race. Uh, we'll see. Tommy? Rx series this year. Um, I have seen so far, though, where Ryan Newman is doing really good. But um, I did see the highlights of Tony Stewart and Ernie Francis going at it. And, um, you know, just brings back the old times of when Tony and Jeff and Tony and Matt and all of them, you know, Tony Stewart throwing his helmet, doing all the crazy stuff. Um, I really like that series because it has, you know, it, it's pretty cool that it has the old NASCAR guys in it that don't race any longer, like Tony Stewart uh, Greg Biffle, I guess now you can say Ryan Newman's part of that, um, although I kind of wish Ryan Newman was still at, at the cup level. But then being at South Boston and the place where they run five flags or the Snowball Derby every year, um, Helio won that race. I mean, it, I, I've, it's just awesome series. They go to short tracks, 
and it's the old NASCAR guys that no longer race versus, like, IndyCar drivers. There's even Andretti in it and um, Tony Conan. Um, I really enjoy it, and I think Dave Blaney and Ron Blaney are racing this weekend. At, um, I think there might be at the dirt track in Ohio, I believe, this week. I might be wrong. I'm not sure. But either way, I do want to see that because Ron and Dave Blaney are going to share the track just like Chase and Bill did last year. And, oh, yeah, and Bill Elliott's doing it this year, too. So um, it's just a great series, and it's entertaining. And um, I did see where ratings aren't doing as good as they were last year, which is disappointing because, like I just said, uh, I feel like it's a, it's a really good series. So it's kind of sad to hear that it's not doing as good as it was last year. I was hoping it would take a jump this year. But um, they still have four races left this year, so they can turn it around and um, – Hopefully, um, they get more viewers should be less more races calls. I don't want it to end anytime soon. Okay. Uh, we did the uh, wrap. Did we do the uh, follow-up round here? No, that was, that was initial round. And uh, if you're coming to me, I just got a little bit of a of wrap-up to close that one out um, on my okay. side. I, I think there's a balance. Uh, you know, I don't know that you want to see demolition style again that's a whole separate program free for all but i do think it offers a little bit more than and i hate to refer to nascar as corporate but but restricted under meeting sponsorship and and all that um guidelines on how to act and behave and i think tony or uh, tommy said something about you know the the old school in that generation I think back to the, the dirt tracks where I was growing up. Yeah, you had guys that would get into scuffles after the race, but they came back and raced each other again the next week. And I think that still goes on at the tracks like Bowman Gray. Now, there's a balance. There's always a balance. You've got to find that where you can't just have two drivers or whatever and, you know, every week, especially then when it involves others. But to see a little bit more of that rivalry, and I know NASCAR's done a lot with cross-promotion through Fox of WWE, like I said, you can't go where it's a full-out brawl, but you want to have, you got to have that rivalry, the, the good guy, the bad guy. You know, that's how they tell their story. That's where Tony in this series is trying to find that middle ground, allow a little more freedom, but Tony's saying, hey, somebody is putting the bill it may not be your individual sponsors. We have one big one, and we provide the cars. Don't be tearing the cars up every week either because we're racing them again the next week. So it's finding that middle ground, mm-hmm. and, and I like it. I mean, what we've seen so far I think has been great. Um, we saw Haley Deegan really involved in some last year, Michael Waltrip, Paul Tracy. So there's just that little bit there that intrigues fans to watch, but they'll come back and do it again the next week. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Haley Deegan, by the way, is racing at Stafford this weekend, uh, and that is the middle point of the season. Uh, there are only six re- races in the season for the SRX, and so Stafford is the third race. There will be three more races after, and uh, the season will be over. It's basically a summer series, and uh, I think overall they've done a really good job in the series. Uh, I'm sad to hear that the ratings are down a little bit uh, because I didn't get a chance to watch some of the races last year. Uh, This year, though, I've got the opportunity uh, to watch it via the streaming services uh, on demand. So even if I miss the race on CBS, 
I can still see the on-demand uh, uh, race and still catch that, which is really good. Um, so I'm thankful for that. But uh, you're right, Jay. It's it's all part of the business. Um, but uh, I just, uh, like you say, they're going to be back racing, and, uh, you know, everything's going to be copacetic. And uh, the series goes on, the sun rises and the sun sets and everything. Uh, maybe I should have said that the other way. The sun sets and then the sun rises. And uh, that's what's going to happen here, too. So, Tommy, you get the final word. Well, I just hope that Ron Newman wins one. Um, I want to see him back in victory lane, especially after the past two years for him. And, um he just was in one of Bob Pockrass's Twitter uh, tweets today about how he was jokingly telling Rick Hendrick that uh, he'll do anything. He'll even get on top of the pit box if he wants him to. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I really hope Ron wins. Uh, I want to see Greg Biffle win one. Um, it's just a great series. And, um, yeah, Haley's going to be in the race this weekend. Looking forward to hopefully seeing the one with Dave Blaney in it. And, um I think they're going. I think even Ken Schrader's going to be in one, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like I saw that. So I haven't seen him since probably the 49 car, the 36 in the M car. I know he was in the 21 car there for a little bit, but either way, it's been a long time since I've seen Kenny Schrader on the track. So I'll have to have to tune in for that one and Dave Blaney too. Well, he's racing on the local short show. Uh, he's just not racing in NASCAR anymore. Um, but uh uh yeah i think uh i think it's great so the srx series so we'll see what happens with that next all right uh jake you're the next hot topic well uh it looks like i buried another one as you said uh, somehow i put it under another topic instead of starting a new one but the beyond the flag had up a article of NASCAR possibly losing a title sponsor after the 2022 season, that being the Camping World Truck Series. Um, I don't know if you guys had read it, being that I had kind of shuffled it down, but what your thoughts on that were and what the that what might come of that? Okay, Tommy, and your thoughts? Yeah, I saw that, and, you know, um, I don't want to say I was going to say I saw it coming, but I feel like over the past one to two, three years, they've been talking about possibly, you know, Camping World backing out, and then to add to that, Camping World is now doing the SRX series, so they're already sponsoring a lot of stuff, so, I mean, the speculation that they might pull out, um, I won't say it makes sense, but, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's really a surprise, I mean, Every year, sponsors change. I mean, if that was just called the Cup Series and it's got, like, Coke, Geico, and um, whatever else, but, I mean, Xfinity, it used to be the Winston Series and it used to be Nextel Cup, and Camping World used to be the Gander Outdoors. Before that, it was Craftsman. Sometimes I even call it the Craftsman Truck Series still, just like I still call it the Bush Series, even though it's Xfinity. But, um... If, if the sponsorship changes, I mean, it would be it's going to be different not seeing Camping World be the Truck Series sponsor. But I just wonder what the next sponsor is going to be, who's going to step in and be the 
uh, the new truck series sponsor and um, have to get used to calling it a different name again. Okay. Um, yeah, I I I know that sponsors change and that uh, uh, this could be uh, the case that's happening in the campaign world, with the campaign world truck series as we know it now. Um, but just because they don't have a contract signed yet does not mean that they're not coming back either. I think there's some assumptions being made here that because they haven't signed the contract yet that maybe it's in jeopardy. And maybe it is. But uh, I, I kind of like to wait and see what actually happens. Speculation uh, article. And uh, it's speculating that uh, the, uh, the possibility of losing uh, the Camping World Truck Series. But I want to just point out there's just as much possibility that they will sign and they will be back. Marcus Lamonis has been such a strong supporter of uh, the truck series in NASCAR. Uh, you know, he's contributed uh, money uh, to help drivers uh, continue to race in that series. Uh, and he just does so much. You're right. He's, you see the Camping World uh, brand in a lot of different places in sports. Uh, so it does make sense that at some point maybe he does have to kind of, um, you know, pick and choose where he wants to spend those dollars and, and uh, he might recognize that he can't be everywhere. I would think that NASCAR gives him great exposure, uh, but I don't know. I don't have access to all of the tools and information that they need to analyze that. But um, uh, we'll have to wait and see what actually happens uh, here. I, I just want to warn people that just because they haven't signed a contract yet doesn't mean that there isn't a contract in the works. Um, and it could still come to pass. So let's wait and see what happens. It's an interesting concept, but you guys are right. We've seen different title sponsors come and go. It's not the first time that a sponsor has left and a new sponsor, title sponsor has picked it up. So we'll see where this goes. Uh, Jay? Yeah, initially when I read the article, um, it started with the fact of that the contract hadn't been signed. I'm like, that that didn't hold a whole lot of water for me. Now, when it comes to the involvement in other series, are you getting more bang for your buck with the six-race SRX deal? Uh, I know he's put some money onto different trucks. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of lends itself to that. And we've seen in the past, and, and I think most prevalently of what GoDaddy said when they got out with Danica Patrick, they had maximized their exposure via the Cup Series. The Camping World brand, to include the Gander RV Outdoor brand, uh, did one year. Tommy mentioned that. Of Let's not talk about having to get used to a different name and change that up. Uh, Sharon and I struggled with that <laughs> one uh, for majority yes. of the year, I think, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we have ever collected on our dollar swear jar or dollar mistake one, but uh, <laughs> there are so, so many things that I think Camping World, under their umbrella, can utilize. So I, I don't see them going away. However, if they do for the truck series, I think we will see another uh, title sponsor come in. It is at a little bit lower level. 
I think back to when with the Cup Series after Sprint and then Monster only signed a short-term deal, Walmart and Subway were two that were in the discussion, um, both for the Xfinity and then the Truck Series. So I think those are two players that we may see come into play if indeed Camping World were to uh, exit out or become a lesser role. So I don't have the fear of that. Now in the Cup Series, you're talking about a heftier price, and I know they've changed the business model of we have multiple partners, the official sponsor of branding. Um, If that is working at the Cup level, we may see that filter down through the Truck Series that it, it becomes that, that the camping world is still involved in a portion from as the official art of the truck series, and then we see more sponsors come in that way. So we'll have to see how it plays out, but truthfully seeing uh, and knowing the involvement that Marcus, Marcus uh, Limonis had in racing, don't see it going away yet. I'm with you, Sharon. I, the, the details just haven't been worked out as far as signing the contract. That's my opinion on it. Okay, Tommy, do you have a follow-up? I don't really have much to add. Um, just would be curious as to who the new sponsor would be. I'm sure it wouldn't be hard for them to find sponsorship. I mean, it uh, changes all the time. And uh, like I said, it just would take some getting used to if they change it again. Okay. Yeah, it always does. Uh, it always takes some getting used to. Uh, Jay and I can attest to that. It took us all season long, and by the time we finally started to get it, uh, they switched it back. So <laughs> it's interesting how that works. But, uh, uh, again, I, I don't have a lot to add. I'm just going to kind of wait and see what actually happens and then go from there. Uh, so, Tommy, you're up for the next hot topic, and then that will probably be our last one. Uh, let's see here. Well, actually, I posted this one back on June 24th, but um, it was a tweet about possibly actually moving the uh, all-star race from Texas and doing a rotation schedule. Okay. Uh, Jay? Well, that's ironic that he brings that one up because uh, throughout the day today, I saw some tweets. Uh, I think it was Pete Pistoni from the Morning Drive talked about that whether or not the 4th of July weekend race should be moved around to celebrate that throughout the, the country in different areas of the country. Right now, this is what I think the second year that Road America is hosting it for the, for the weekend. Um, the All-Star Race and the Bush Clash – I do see those being able to be moved. It's a non-points race, not on your regular schedule, and can benefit some tracks that we've talked about, so maybe some that don't hail that annual cup race or, or Xfinity or trucks. When it comes to that particular weekend of 4th of July, that is a regular scheduled race. I don't see that moving around. But the all-star race, I'm all in favor of it, but I also understand the logistics of it. And that's where I go back to three to five years. Pick a spot. Uh, we saw it with Texas. You know, maybe their time's up. Uh, it's ran its course. Some fans weren't particularly in favor of it. I won't call Tommy out, but uh, he's not alone. <laughs> so I will say that. He's not alone. 
you know, I personally like to see it the year we did it at Bristol. I'd like to see Iowa have it. So that is one I think is logistically can be done a lot easier than an actual uh, points paying race that is every year, no matter where it be. So uh, I, the all-star race and the Bush clash, I say three to five years, if they find a spot where it's working good and the market is still working in their favor, I understand leaving it. But personally, yeah, I kind of liked it, and that was initially how it was originally thought of when it, it was the Winston. Um, I think they ran it at Charlotte and then Atlanta the next year. It moved back to Charlotte and had stayed there ever since. There again, I understand the reason for it. It was a hometown race. Crews got to be at home for two weeks. Uh, well, the road teams got to be at home for two weeks, and the crews at the shop got to be a part of all the festivities, which they normally didn't. So there was reason for it. But I like the idea of having the all-star race uh, rotate at least every couple of years. Yeah. I, I, you know, that maybe they would do two or three-year stints for the all-star race. Uh, but according to some fans, the racing has been so terrible uh, that, uh, you know, they don't want another race at Texas Motor Speedway. So uh, two years uh, – it looks like is the minimum. Uh, if it's a successful venue, then maybe. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.